You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Jamie Dumont. I'm Jennifer Samard. And I'm Rob Russo. And this is The Fabulous Invalid. Um, So, yeah, you know, one of the things I noticed, I do, because, you know, this is all, like, self-discovery for me. Well, say something for Jennifer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not used to hearing my voice. No, I'm doing what I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I say that all. I just laugh at everything. Apparently, my are a giggling little I giggle the whole time. It's actually very charming. I'm trying. I'm trying to. And you're calm and focused, Jen. Am I really? Yeah, you really are. You are such a. I have to say, Jennifer Samard, of the many things I love about you, you really are a very focused, very calming, mm-hmm. very oh. full of love human being. Yeah. Like, it, Rob and I were talking about this earlier. Um, my friend, Charles Tolbert, says that giving Jamie Dumont a hug is like getting a body check. Because I'm, oh. I'm not a huggy person. Okay. But you make me want a hug. Rob, Jennifer, what's going on? Okay, I know one thing. I, we had a little bit of sad news. Uh, this last week, Carol Hall died at 82. Carol Hall was the writer of the 70s musical, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, mm-hmm. which I don't, was a big musical for me when I was younger. Was that a Tommy Toon show? It was. It was Tommy mm-hmm. Toon, and it was Carlin Glenn, and then Alexis Smith did the tour. It was a movie with Burt Reynolds and... Dolly Parton? God, I almost forgot her name. Can you imagine right. forgetting Sacrilege. Dolly Parton? Sacrilege. Yeah. Wow, I'm no longer a gay man. Um, <laughs> I so that sense. Yeah. I yeah. remember I grew up um, in an area where we had a very conservative local newspaper. The, the, you probably know it, Rob, the Manchester Union Leader. Oh, sure. And uh, I remember when they were advertising the best little whorehouse in Texas, there would always be X's in place of the word whore. Oh, yeah. I wanted to take Kristen Anderson on a date freshman year of high school to see the best little whorehouse in the movie movie theater, and her mother wouldn't let her go because of the content. Beds are not to be walled in. That's kind of thing that big, fat, lazy hogs do. And it don't make money. And I won't tolerate no tying up my telephone with other people's business. Are you with me, honey? And please don't show me no tattoos, no hearts and flowers on your thigh. It's downright tacky. Brands belong on cattle. And that ain't what we're selling at Miss Mona's. You catch my grip? I pay the food and the rent and the utilities. You keep your mind on your work responsibilities. Don't let your mouth overload your capabilities. And we can get 
As for pimps, pimps are something you don't need to get your daily business done. You listening good? So keep those leeches and bloodsuckers off the back road. I know how to use a gun. No one messes with my girls. And any questions you might have about the way I run this place, don't grab and whine behind my back. Just tell me face to face, I'm open-minded. Say it all, then go upstairs and pack. I don't really know the show. I know the, the uh, Aggies song, which is what I think they did on the Tonys, right? Yeah, where they're all in the towels. Yeah. Yeah, and I, they may show bare butt in the stage version. I don't remember. What I do know is that there was a sequel to it. The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas goes, goes, public. goes public. With T. With yes. the amazingly talented. And I have the window card for yeah. that production in my great, collection. Great, I think it's the same artist. I don't know if it's Eula. I don't know who Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful yeah. art. Yeah, beautiful art. So at speaking of revivals, I mm. read that the Meunier Chocolate Factory in London is doing a revival of Fiddler on the Roof. So they're, they're coming up everywhere. A podcast favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and uh, it was announced today that Judy Kuhn is going to be starring in that. As Golda. As Goldie. Goldie. Gold. Sorry. Yeah. Is it Golda or Goldie? It's Golda, right? No, I think it's huh? Goldie. Goldie. Oh. Okay. Uh-oh. Someone will Call Joel Gray. Someone will correct <laughs> us on that. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever been to the menu, but it, they do I have some it. great stuff. I have. It's so cool. Yeah. It's, it's the, just... It's a tiny space, right? It is a tiny space, and what they do with it, it's, it's not unlike Signature Theater and other great theaters around the world. They really utilize the space beautifully, mm. and every... I feel like at Menye, it's the same thing. Every show is a different seating configuration. Yeah. And... Uh, you were here to make art. That's what it always feels like. like yeah. Strap in. Let's make some art. Well, that is what you do. You make art. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, that's um, beautiful and segment. my friend, um, I just noticed online, because you've learned things on social media, that Danny Burstein um, went to go see Joel Gray's Fiddler and oh, said such that. lovely things about it. Uh, With Jess Hecht, they both went together. Uh, cool. And I think that's so wonderful that, that, that they did their roles on Broadway to such acclaim. Mm. You know I mean? Oh, it, Danny was Danny fun. was unbelievable, right? He was and, great. Um, and, and to such, uh, truly, such love and acclaim, and that they can go and support this production um, is such a testament to, to, I mean, he probably wouldn't even think twice about it, but I, I think twice about it, that it's a real show of his character. And he's like, yep, and now I'm going to go support my buddies in this version, which, which, I did, which I just did five minutes ago. Right. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I think that's awesome. There's room for all of us. I love it. It's a big community. It's a warm community. That's right. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing I read online, uh, I think it was courtesy of Broadway Briefing, which is my, my other latest obsession, um, is that there's a new Michael Friedman musical out there that yes. is coming to... The Vineyard. The Vineyard. Well, I, I don't know if they've officially announced yet, but... Oh, was it just a bit of... Laura, yeah, well, Laura Haywood, who's a Broadway uh, social media gal, mm-hmm. um, she reported out from an event she was at that, oh. that The Vineyard was hosting, where they, I guess, sort of teased it. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's, and then it was reported uh, through Broadway Briefing, yeah. Um, but we don't have a lot of details. We don't have a lot of details. All that we, we know, know is that it's an, it's an unproduced mm-hmm. work of Michael Friedman's. And for those who don't know, Michael Friedman was um, an incredible composer, lyricist, writer, who unfortunately we lost uh, a year ago this month, mm-hmm. um, or last month, um, to complications from HIV AIDS at the age of 40 or 41. Uh, really really such a huge mm-hmm. blow to the community because he was such a brilliant writer. Well, he wrote Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, yes. which was mm-hmm. fantastic and made mm-hmm. it onto Broadway. Yep. And then he wrote one of my favorite musicals of recent years, which was uh, Love's Labor's Lost, mm. which played at the Delacorte right. a few summers ago. Mm-hmm. And for anyone that saw it, or you can get the album, which is a very good representation.
loves a gun the safety's off and in the chamber there's a bullet but only one spin it round test your luck pull the trigger and you'll know what you have won it's either bang a bright red flash of light then sweet oblivion or a click that means another round of tense anticipation is the pain worse than the waiting only you can make the call just one click and you'll see what you have done loves a gun brilliant it's mm-hmm. so clever i'd seen uh, the fortress of solitude at, at the oh, public yeah. was another show he wrote he had a long-standing relationship yeah. with the public and also city center where he was the artistic director of um, uh, their off-center program. I got to work with him in 2010 um, on a project. I think it was called Unknown Soldier. I want to fact-check myself. No, I think that is is correct. And and that was wonderful. And I I think they did a, a, a subsequent incarnation of it so I wonder if it could be that yeah. because it was he was so prolific yeah it was beautiful and the list of works that, that he did in his short time on mm-hmm. this earth was just incredible his, his death was a real loss well they were all losses but this was that was a blow because Lord only knows what he would have done next right. you know yeah. we talk about death on this show every episode <laughs> oh, no. I, you know what I'm glad because I'm not interested in I don't know about you guys swimming on the surface of the pool boring let's go down in there because that's life it's you know part of like, life. let's talk part about it important part of life the important part anyway <laughs> well let's eat some cheese and let's talk to our guest that's the deep stuff right there <laughs> it's always about cheese for me <laughs> let's get to the cheese all right the death cheese <laughs> Please help me welcome actress, playwright, and native New Yorker, Jocelyn Bio. Jocelyn's latest play, School Girls, or the African Mean Girls play, which was such a hit at MCC last year, they've brought it back. It's a Lortel winner for Best Play and Special Drama Desk Award for Best Ensemble. It's currently in previews and opens on October 22nd. Hello, Jocelyn. Hi. Hi. Hi, Jocelyn. Welcome. That was all correct. Oh, good. Good, good. good. I was a little worried. I, I, facts are hard for me. Oh, no. Um, all good. Yeah, well, no. I mean, mm-hmm. um, so before we get into sort of the thick of it, I always like to ask a few sort of silly questions, although they're not silly. I say that every single time. What relaxes you? What relaxes me? Wow. Um... A manicure pedicure, <laughs> um, watching trash reality television. Oh, I love you. Um, and eating. Eating is good. I, love it. I, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of all I got. <laughs> those, are, those are all good, relaxing. <laughs> There's things. no wrong answer, and I do all of those things myself. So. Good, glad. Um, what um, What was your worst non theater related job? Wow, that's, um, I have several. Um, I think the one that came immediately to mind was I ran the lottery for, I mean, it was kind of theater related, but I ran the lottery for Shrek the Musical. Um, But it would happen at 10 o'clock in the morning on the third floor of the M&M store. And I had to wear um, Shrek ears. And when we were handing out flyers in uh, Times Square, I also had to wear the green shirt over my coat to make sure that people knew we were flyering for Shrek the Musical. It was the ears weren't enough. The yeah. ears were not enough. All it right. was 
I, terrifying. I was in Shrek the Musical. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And on behalf of everyone, I'd like to apologize. Thank you. <laughs> I, I had no idea. It was... It was such a terrible job. It was just because it was so embarrassing. Like, we were so, dressed so crazily. I just... My heart goes out to uh, those, those flyer folks in Times oh, Square. I know. The waitress gals have a little pie hat yes. that they wear. And we used to have, like, competitions with the, like, Chicago girls because they'd want to, like, high kick they all over. They do you know, yeah. yeah they, you oh, yeah. Know? And then just, like, block wars of, like, who's going to get the good spot. Territory, just, yeah. Oh, man. It was, like, such a thing. That, and I was also a maitre d' at Carmine's in Times Square. Mm. Oh, restaurant work is so and, hard. Mm. Um, let me tell you, at a family-style restaurant yeah. in Times Square. What year were you? there I was there uh 20 like 10 okay I lasted a year yeah my my brother worked there doing reservations a a couple years before okay it was a tough job very I I have always said that everyone should at least work one restaurant shift oh yeah or serve a a catering shift something yes everyone because it really opens your eyes to how not to behave around other people (laughs) it's very true Mm -hmm. it's very true all right well thank you for indulging me Um, we do really want to talk about your latest well it's not your latest endeavor because you wrote it um, you wrote you wrote Schoolgirls how long ago? I the first draft of it I wrote two and a half years ago, um, and MCC came to uh, or a representative of MCC Jessica Chase, she's the artistic producer, came to the reading of it, the like second reading that I had um, of it, and it was so different than um, it's been twenty seven drafts uh, since then and now so. Yeah, it was just like this like crazy, crazy, crazy journey. What's the biggest difference between draft one and what is about to go on stage at the Lortel? Um, well, it's only one act now that we used to, the girls used to be double cast as like pageant. The play is kind of circles around a, a pageant, a beauty pageant that's happening. And the girls used to be double cast as pageant contestants in the Miss Ghana pageant and... I mean, it was wild. We went all over the place, and now it's like takes place in one room over the course of two days, um, and everyone's playing who you know one character. Um, but I mean, just that's the journey, though. You know, you never know what it needs to be until you like go there, realize it's like the wrong thing, and then have to come back to one. Um, and that's, uh, I mean, that was definitely the case with School Girls. I mean, I couldn't believe I rewrote it that many times. Mm-hmm. And the subtitle of your play is The African Mean Girls Play. So yes. I have to ask, did the film Mean Girls inspire yeah, well, your I'm play in any way? Yeah, well, i a cast member right now. So that's <laughs> yeah. um, well, y- yes and no. I mean, I, the play was always just School Girls. Mm-hmm. And I was having such a hard time getting people to read my work um, because I write African comedy, you know, usually based... Um, either on the continent or about African people, but I have a comedic voice. And so there was another play of mine that I had written called Nollywood Dreams um, that was, I was just having a really hard time getting produced. And so when I wrote Schoolgirls, I just thought, let me double down on this thing, like, and really show them that the same way they, like, watch Mean Girls and felt safe and, like, fun and and, and comfortable with with the storyline and relatable let me just add the subtitle. So it was totally like last minute and I never intended for it to stick. And then, and then it did. And then it became a marketing, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. a ploy in a weird way. And then Mean Girls started happening at the same time that School Girls was getting produced. So it became this like very odd, you know, thing where it was Mean Girls, mm-hmm. you know, of Africa and America were just- Two wild parties yeah, at the same yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
wrong with me? My body, face, my hair. Tell me all my many faults. Tell me like you care when we both know you're cruel. And we both know you're right. I could listen to you like a fool all night. What's wrong with me? The play is not Mean Girls, you know, and and that was the thing. It was like you, you, we recognized the tropes in terms of like the you know the popular girl, the queen bee, the you know, her minions and whatnot. Um, and that's not an American trope. That's really you know across, globally, you know, in any high school all over the world. Um, but I knew that there would that when you contextualize it in some sort of way, then people kind of automatically understand what they're about to come see. They, you know, that title and subtitle alone lets them know that they're coming into a, a fun space, they're gonna come into a comedy, something that will probably be a universal. And those are like really hard things to do with marketing. So we were like, let's just keep the subtitle and like see how we can, you know, swing it. And it worked, thankfully. Well, it's a very <laughs> funny play. Oh my thank gosh. You. I laughed from start to finish. Oh, I I'm absolutely adored it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so thrilled that it's back in this encore uh, production yeah. starting um, the, the, just this week at MCC mm-hmm. um, at the Lortel Theater. Um, and I, I really do, uh, I'm interested to hear from you. Um, what inspired you to write the play in the first place? Mm-hmm. What what made you put pen to paper or fingers to keypad? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, you know, to, to start on this piece. Well, a myriad of things, I would say. I mean, I went to boarding school. Um, I went to uh, Milton Hershey Boarding School, which is a, a scholarship-based boarding school for children from low-income families in Hershey, Pennsylvania, <laughs> which is just as Pleasantville as it comes, you know, the whole town smells like chocolate and cows and like the streetlights are shaped like Hershey Kisses. It's like this like very odd, crazy. It's like going to school at Disneyland. Exactly, it really is. Um, But most of us were from the inner cities of New York City, Philly, and the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. So you just had all of these like, you know, diverse children like going to school in the the middle of uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania. So I knew what boarding school life was like and um, specifically what it looks like when everyone or most of the people who go to school with you look like you. Um, So that was one. And then my mother went to the boarding school that the play is set in, because both my parents are from Ghana in West Africa. And I had come across, and lastly, I'd come across a story about um, the 2011 Miss Ghana pageant where they had um, brought in an American-born biracial girl, uh, claimed that her father was from Ghana, and had her compete in the Miss Ghana pageant. And it was like a scandal in Ghana and entertainment news because it just seemed very clear that they thought they would have a more competitive candidate and someone who was lighter skinned. And she did win and she beat out two of like the kind of top models in Ghana at the time um, who obviously are darker skinned and she went on to compete in the Miss Universe pageant and she didn't even place. And it was just like this like terrible thing. I couldn't believe that like colorism had somehow infiltrated into like African society in like such an overt way. And I just thought I have to write about this because I, you know, have had my own journey to like owning my own beauty. Um, And so I just conflated all of that into this play. So Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm so glad you did. Yeah. Uh, because that, that to me was one of the striking things about the play, mm-hmm. you know, as a white man. Mm-hmm. Um, being introduced to this idea of colorism was not something that I necessarily could articulate before right. seeing your play. And, you know, if it does that alone, to me, it's, you know, really serving a really important uh, function. I went to see it with a friend of mine who's African-American, mm-hmm. and to her, that was like, she was blown away mm-hmm. that she could see, because she is darker skinned, mm-hmm. and to see that story told on stage mm-hmm. and that concept yeah. discussed, um, especially in a comedic way, right? Through, you know, not, not that that exact point is comedic, but, right. but the play itself is a comedy. So, you know, it really, it, the, the delivery system for that, a very important message. I think so. so I mean, you know, spoonful of sugar, right. you know? And, <laughs> and I think that uh, there's, there's so many ways to receive a story. I mean, and that's what I think is like also the beauty of a lot of the kind of comedic writer, actors that I, you know, look up to, like Tina Fey, you know, like um, Issa Rae. Um, that was not supposed to rhyme, but they do anyway. <laughs> um, but like, that's, that's the thing. It's like you really connect to the stories that they're telling um, in, through a comedic lens. And like you, uh, you really see the universality of like what all of our experiences are, you know, in that way. And I just find that to be such a beautiful tool. I'm so glad that it's the only kind of weapon I have. I really, I wish I could write a drama. I promise you, every time I've tried, it's just like dark comedy, you know? Um, <laughs> so it like never works. But um, if for the like 10 kind of serious minutes that, you know, show up in Schoolgirls, I think it really um, uh, uh, lays it all out. And I, I think that that's probably why you and your friend and whomever, you know, come to see the show. And even if they didn't experience colorism themselves, um, can see facets of themselves in the story. But don't you feel that the comedy really helps bring home the truth and the and the serious moment? For sure. Moments that happen in the show? For sure. I mean, and that's like, uh, I mean, well, for the most part, that's kind of like the model for all of us is kind of laugh to keep from crying. <laughs> and, now more than ever. I, I mean, Amen. truly, <laughs> truly. And so to be able to have um, that, the you know, feel invite the audience in, feel comfortable, you know, perhaps like um, um, start to reminisce about their own high school experiences and where they fell on the totem pole of popularity uh, and then kind of punch them in the gut with like the story, you know, it's like what, I, what we all hope, you know, um, our, uh, people like, will take when they come to, you know, to see a play. And a lot of the shows that I've been in as an actor, that's kind of like the same you know, way the story is told too. You know, Brandon Jacobs Jenkins is a playwright friend of mine who I've been in three of his plays and he, I would say that he's a comedic writer too, but I mean, he's dealing with so many polarizing and provocative topics, you know, like race, like slavery, you know, minstrelsy. And you're, you know, you really are enjoying yourself. And then all of a sudden the message hits and you're like, wow, you know, I'm so, 
um, ingrained to think that this is like funny or you know light or fodder, and uh, then understand like you know the se severity of it all. So. I hope that that's what it is, but I do want people to like come and have a good time and not feel like it's going to be a cry session. But no, I think they do. <laughs> Why did you set it in the mid '80s? Okay, well, I first of all, I'm very obsessed with '80s culture, all <laughs> things fashion, all things music, everything. I just think it's like such a it, what a unique time to um, for fashion music. Uh, it was a good decade. Po yeah, po even politically, what was going on. Um, so I just thought it would be, you know, cool to kind of like, you know, jump back in time a bit and to also like really show that the play is like timeless in terms of like the subject matter that we're dealing with. I mean, if we said it in present day, there's like an easier way to like get information, you know, like when, when the new girl shows up at school and there's a lot of mystery around her, like background and things like that, you know, in this day and age, you could just do a simple Google search, Facebook, whatever, you know, and you find out exactly what you need to know. But back then you really needed to like talk to people and like know what their background was. And or, the gossip, yeah. you know, and the, the telephone game exactly. of information getting, you know, changed yeah. as it's passed on and on. Um, that's actually very interesting. Thank you. For, I, I, thanks, for for sure. clearing that up for me. <laughs> yeah. um, I had another question about the Miss Universe Ghana pageant because mm -hmm. I fell down a little bit of a rabbit hole over the weekend okay. in YouTube. Um, but I was really struck with how poised all the women were. I think my point is that the contestants at the Miss Ghana were very different from what I think of a typical American beauty contestant. Mm -hmm. Like they were really intelligent, mm -hmm. fascinating women with a lot to contribute. And right. they they totally broke that stereotype of the dim-witted beauty contestant for Yeah, me. I mean, education is such a huge, you know, um, and emphasized thing in Ghanaian culture, especially now, like the modern, you know, the people of my generation growing up, like they, they, it was totally like ingrained in them that they should go to school, encouraged that they should go to college um, and like make something of themselves or whatever. If you happen to be beautiful and like, you know, want to do a beauty pageant, great, but like you're also going to be a doctor, you know? Um, <laughs> you're going to be a doctor, yes, right? <laughs> you, you will be. And like that's something that I think, you know, you know, like my grandmother, you know, only had like a middle school education or whatever. My mother only went, uh, finished high school. She, and then emigrated here to America and, you know, I had a family and like, you know, I had to work and put food on the table. So um, education was something that like my, my parents, like totally like me, all of us have a higher, um, a master's or higher. My brother's a doctor my sister's an administrative social work. Uh, I'm the black sheep of the family <laughs> doing theater. Um, but it, that's With like a, a master's degree in playwriting. Yes, right? yes. Columbia yes, University. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it Not too bad. To be, right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's something that I super emphasized. And yeah, it's like so different from the culture here where I think it's just like if you're cute, you know, great. You know, let's put you in a cute dress and like, let's just do this thing. Um, but I think internationally, it's people really see this as like a way out and a way to really. Um, if you're representing um, a country that everyone thinks of as third world or, you know, just kind of impoverished, it's important that the representative is someone who's, like, intelligent and smart and um, someone they would feel proud to represent their country all over the world. So you feel it, it inspires a healthy competition? I mean, I think beauty pageants are a little odd, personally, but I do think that for a country like Ghana or for many of the, con you know, the countries on the continent... 
um, this is this does feel like a night a good way you know out to like show you know the world and be representative you know out in the world but like personally I don't <laughs> I don't care about beauty pageants they're like the oddest thing ever I mean I have the Miss Universe pageant happened to be on uh, what was that last year when the show was running and I just happened to catch it. And then Miss Ghana made it to the top 15. And I was like, oh, my God, it's my play. It's my play. It's happening. Yeah. Um, and I was, like, fully invested. You know, it felt like a, you know, like a, a football game. You know, all of a sudden, it's like, Ghana. You know, you're screaming. And, you know, my, one of my girl girlfriends was with me. And she's from Jamaica. So she's rooting on Jamaica. It was like this, like, weird, you know, um, thing. Anyway, but the winner that year was Miss South Africa. And she was white. Oh my God. And I was like, wow, this is like, I mean, and my play is set in 1986, you know? Mm-hmm. So, anyway. I think I finished my review of your play by saying how much it's really changed, mm-hmm. posing that question, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because that's what I, what I came away with. Yeah. Was that same connection between right. the past and the present. Yeah. Jennifer, did you have something you wanted to? I, I had a question about the timeline in the last decade, because you said earlier you were, you know, doing lottery tickets for Shrek the Musical, <laughs> and here you are with this award-winning play and cast, and look, what everything that's about to happen is thrilling. And I'm wondering, for our listeners who might be at home wondering, is that something I can do with my life? I'd like you to address the inevitable doubts that must have happened in the last 10 oh years of God. your life yeah. to the point that you were... Can you just address a little bit of that very human feeling yes. and, and what, what kept you going and believing in yourself? Thank you for thank you for asking that because that is really the thing. I mean, I think people sometimes kind of just think you, you know, slipped and tripped and stumbled into some sort of like you know success or whatever. And I mean, yeah, I've been out of school for ten years and I'm just now experiencing any version of career success. And and on the in between, it has been, I mean, very very deep peaks and valleys. Um, and I was working three jobs at one point every single day. I was. Uh, I mean, truly looking at my account, like, well, I have $3 in my account today. So, like, how are we going to, like, manage that? How am I going to go to my auditions? How am I going to eat? How am I going? I mean, I was truly, I was walking to work um, for a summer because I didn't have enough money for my bills and my Metro card. Um, So I'd walk from my apartment in Washington Heights to Columbus Circle every day, back and forth. Um, so about six miles. I mean, I was very thin. <laughs> you know, it was lovely. <laughs> I mean, I Those fit. Ancillary I, benefits. I know. Yeah. I, I fit all of my. Um, six to eight miles. Yeah, yeah. On where in Washington Heights. And so those, and though, and in those moments or whatever, you really feel like I am never going to make it. I am never going to get out of it. I felt so um, oppressed by and burdened by um, debt and not having enough money to even eat and and figuring all of that out. But I always try, I mean, even in those moments where I'm like, I give up, I can't do this anymore. I really, I just realized that like, this is what I know I've been put on this earth to do. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the only thing that never feels like work. And I, I have to figure out a way to like, you know, keep my eye on the prize and like what. And so, you know, when I did have like some money I could scrape together, I would go see a show and like try to reinvigorate myself. Or, you know, in the moments where auditions were really slow, there was a three and a half period I didn't work at all. Um, as no, I didn't have readings of my plays or, um, you know, have, get cast in a show. 
And those were the moments where I really had to like dig in and like read books and watch documentaries or like sit down and like do an outline of a new play that I wanted, that I was thinking about writing um, and try to get lost in the world I was creating to um, escape from the one I was living. And, the, and those moments are really, really hard. And I don't think people really understand the, the, the real like depression that can um, come out of that. And in a lot of ways, I feel like a lot of anxiety now um, that I have some version of success and that it's going to be fleeting, that it's like everything is actually going to go away in a year because that's even the moments when I was on Broadway, you know, I was in Curious Incident um, for a year and I left because I said, you know what, I've been on Broadway for a year, I'm going to leave, I'm going to bet on myself. And then I didn't work for another 10 months um, and all of the savings had become you know, had depleted because I was, you know, using that to survive. So um, I, I have a lot of anxiety to now about <laughs> where this is all going. But um, one, I save my money. And then two, <laughs> and two, I really just try to like stay focused and keep my, my eye on the prize and really be worried about my own journey and not compare myself to anyone else's because mm-hmm. nothing about um, my story is like anyone else's that I've ever known. And um, surely, you know, for the listeners out there, like your story is no is unlike anyone else's either. So um, really stay focused on what you want to do, even in the moments it feels like so worthless. Amen. No, and people, I think people often say money can't buy happiness, but money can buy you a lot of things, including mm-hmm. some peace of mind and, yeah. and that it's extremely hard as you say, people don't understand. It's extremely hard sometimes to be an artist mm-hmm. without a, um, a benefactor. Yeah. <laughs> um, and right. so I'm so glad that you persevered because now we have this to look forward to. Thank oh, you. Thank you. What is next? What are you working on? Well, so many things. Um, I have several commissions uh, for new plays because that's what happens, you know, when you write a play that does well. Then people are like, can you write us one? (laughs) Uh, um, You want a piece of that? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a lot of writing that I'll be doing in the next couple of months for um, some um, some theaters. Um, I just got done being a staff writer on Spike Lee, the second season of Spike Lee's show, She's Gotta Have It. Oh, wow. I don't know when the second season is airing, but it'll be on Netflix soon. And I wrote the third episode. Um, Thank goodness for Netflix. I know. Um, And I have another show also that I was a staff writer on um, called Russian Doll. that was actually show ran, show ran and written by uh, Leslie Headland, um, mm. so you know, playwright as well, um, starring Natasha Leone, and I wrote the fifth episode of that. So right now it's just a little bit of TV. I'm waiting for the TV things to you know. Yeah, the well, air. the TV thing is a good thing. Yeah. We were just talking about yeah, that. Mm-hmm. we yeah. were. How so many playwrights are writing for TV? Oh yeah, they're snatching us up. <laughs> yeah. They're snatching. They're us smart up. too, which is yeah. making television better. And and I don't know if it's making theater suffer yet. I think. That is yet to be seen, but it certainly is helping TV along. It, it, I think so. I mean, there's just an understanding about like real, you know, character development and like people actually talking like how real people talk. Yeah, um, and, and, and <laughs> stories about all people. Yeah, not just one group of people. Exactly. Right? Yeah. What's it like working in a staff room? What do, do you, What's the difference between writing your own on your own and working with a group? I. I mean, I, because I work so collaboratively, I mean, like, even with schoolgirls, I worked very closely with Rebecca Tashman. I mean, the play would not be what it is without her. 
um, we were just so in sync in that way. Um, and then similarly, like I'm, I'm working on a, a new uh, musical that I'm the book writer for, and uh, all of it is all super collaborative. And so I, I found that the writing writers room experience felt that way too. Um, and because you're like kind of beating out the stories to death sometimes, <laughs> um, by the time you sit down to write the actual episode, like you've already, you're so in the world like that, it, the kind of, it just kind of flows out pretty quickly, at least for me. Um, but I find it to be not that different from like a, working on a new play or working on a musical or even as an actor, I've only ever been in new plays. So that's a whole nother collaborative experience of getting new pages, rewriting, writing, you know. Um, that sounds unusual. Yeah. Always doing a new play as an actor. It's very exciting. Uh, I mean, I'm it's excited very lucky. by that. Yeah, yeah. I, because I'm like, I don't know a lot of people who, you know, uh, especially not black actresses who have had that um, experience. I feel really lucky that that's, um, you know, been my journey. The first play that I ever did that was um, already, like, written was uh, last year. I was in Susan Lloyd Park's play In the Blood at Signature. Um, and so it was like odd. I was like, oh, I could be off book by day one? Okay, <laughs> cool, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like such a great collaborative experience. Correct so. me if I'm wrong. Um, was your role in an Octoroon written for you specifically? It was. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, I would been, I'd worked with Brandon um, before that on uh, this play called Neighbors at the Public. And he had started writing an Octoroon at that time. And uh, he said, I really, you know, I really think that I'm writing this with you in mind and your voice and whatever. And I was like, okay, well, we'll see how it goes. And then it it went. Yeah, it went. Good. Now yeah. he's a genius. Right. You know? <laughs> so, and the MacArthur, you know, says. Certified. Yeah, Certified yeah, genius. yeah exactly. It's official. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is proper certification. Right. Yes. Are you done with acting? Is there more in your future? Oh, no, I'm not done at all. Um, I've just been doing TV for the last, like, you know, year. I've popped in a couple um, uh, guest stars and what have you, and I'm going to be in a film that's coming out um, in a couple of months. Uh, I just haven't read any plays yet that I feel like I really like love, and I'm in this wonderful, very peculiar moment where I can be choosy. Um, that was not the case for a long time. I'm like, give me everything. Um, <laughs> but now I have this, you know, kind of moment to like, you know, be a little choosy about what I like. But I certainly am not, you know, done at all. And my agents don't think so. I have an audition in two days that I'm not prepared for. So. As soon as I'm out of here, I'm going to be yeah, working right. on my lines. Yeah. Well, I hope you can always be choosy. I, that's a, I hope that's so a good too. luxury. I hope so too. That's fantastic. <laughs> okay, I think I have two more questions. Unless anybody has anything else, um, I just need to know what reality are you binging on? Oh <laughs> man! Since you brought it up. Okay. Well, I do sadly still watch the Kardashians when I clean, specifically when I clean. Yeah, it's, it's good like, cleaning. Yeah. Just like the white noise I need in the mm -hmm. back while I Swiffer. Who's your favorite? Um, Chloe. Me too. I just think she's like she's real. She's the realest I love one. Her. You know. Yeah. Um, she just hits hits you with the facts. Um, I also love pretty much. All of the housewives. Me too. I say I'm. I always say very caught up on um, Atlanta and Potomac, and then I binge usually like Beverly Hills or something like that. I was just in LA because Schoolgirls was just in LA last month, and I went to um, Pump. 
Oh, did you? You didn't um, eat, did you? I did not eat. No, I just had a pumptini. Oh. <laughs> what is pump? It was delicious. Pump is one of Lisa Vanderpump's um, many she establishments. Pump and Sir, but I believe Vanderpump Rules is set at Sir, right? I think so. Yeah. Anyway, but so I don't. She's want a reality to star, but she's but before that, she's a she's an actual restaurant tour. Yes. That is what, and a club owner, and she's quite a large character. Yeah. Well, the pumptini was great. And um, I am just about to, I probably am going to take a deep dive into Love Island. I just think. Before you do that, 90 Day Fiance. Oh, wait. Oh, my God. How could I, how could I have forgotten 90 Day Fiance? 90 Day Fiance, before the 90 Days. Before the 90 Days is the greatest thing ever to happen I am, in the world. I haven't watched a new tell-all episode that just happened the other night, but I mean, I'm ready. Okay. Well, we, we should take this offline because I, I can feel Rob and Jennifer turning over. <laughs> I'm not no, turning. I'm, I'm just, laughing. I'm, I'm like, I'm like you guys are about to go hold hands and walk <laughs> through the park and we talk are. about it. I can't believe I forgot. You can't see the grins, <laughs> but there are grins happening yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the great level of love. Yeah, yeah I um, believe it. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I, you know what? There. For every important thing you do in your life, it's good to do something silly and frivolous. And for, I, I really believe that. I've, and I do that with reading. I will read a classic, and I will read something trashy. You know, you, you gotta have balance. Ah. My boyfriend always says that no one would know I went to Columbia based on my DVR. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh whatever, you know. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> um, and then lastly, I, I have to know, what was the show that did it for you? Was there a first show that you saw that just cinched it? There were, um, it was not the first show, but there are three. And they, and they all, I saw them all within like a year and a half. And they completely changed my life. Um, in the Heights. Because um, I grew up in Washington Heights, I still live in Washington Heights. So seeing my neighborhood on a Broadway stage was, I mean, mind blowing, mind blowing. Um, Passing Strange, uh, um, I just thought was, I just never thought I could see people who looked like me on stage singing the music in the key, in the style that I sing in, and doing it on a Broadway stage. I just didn't think I would ever see that. Um, oh, really? There's four. Okay. Um, title of show. Um, I really was so blown by uh, the simplicity of the show and um, how much I can, especially at that time, I really felt so down in the dumps about where my career was or lack of. Um, and that show really gave me, like, you know, hope. Um, and then lastly, um, Fela, because um, I am you know, West African child. We grew up with Fela's music in our home. Uh, that was the first concert that my parents ever saw in America, was his last concert in um, Madison Square Garden. Wow. So to have his story and that music and West African culture on stage in a similar way that in the Heights, you know, I just couldn't believe any of that happened and in a time that I could like go and experience it. So all the money I ever had went to seeing those shows multiple times. Money well spent. Yeah. <laughs> those are really four life-changing yeah. shows. I just thought of Passing Strange this morning. God, it's it's so funny that it's you brought it up. It's incredible so, I show. I couldn't agree more. Honestly, it's, it was ahead of its time. It should come back. Oh, it would really it should. If there's a producer listening, you should bring that show back. And I just give it. me a straight offer. <laughs> <laughs> She's offer only for this exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah. Let me chase away whatever's hurting you Just have to ask it of me My love is more real than
Coming down, and I would encourage anybody listening to to run to the Lortel Theater and check out uh, Schoolgirls, which is in previews right now. Yes, yeah. And runs through October seventh. It runs through November. Nope. <laughs> November. Sorry. Yeah, I was like, October seventh. Pass. It opens. It opens <laughs> October. Back in time. I know. I told you I'm terrible with facts. <laughs> it runs through November twenty fifth. Knock on wood, we can go longer than that. But as of now, those are the tickets that we're selling. So and go maybe, see it now. Maybe and opening you'll, maybe night you'll move is, uptown. Opening night is opening October night 22nd. Opening night is October 22nd. Okay. Yeah. Cool. What a thrill. You're a joy. Oh, thank you. You're Thanks, welcome. everyone. Thank I appreciate you. it. Jocelyn's play, Schoolgirls, is produced by MCC Theater at the Lucio Lortel Theater down in the West Village of Manhattan. You may be wondering, what is MCC Theater? Founded as Manhattan Class Company, MCC is one shining star in the broad constellation of off-Broadway nonprofit theaters, producing bold new works from emerging writers and performers. Actor Robert Lapone, brother of Patty and the original Zach in a chorus line, casting director Bernard Telsey, and artistic director William Cantler joined with six graduates of the NYU Drama Department in 1986 to found this company. Their impulse was to create a collaborative environment where a collective of young actors, writers, and directors at the time who were eager to take on a, a more of a leadership role in their own artistic development would have an outlet for their creation. That began in the 1980s in the form of peer-based classes that led to showcases and later to full-scale productions like the ones they produce now. Some notable shows along the way have included Wit, which won the Pulitzer Prize in 1999, Frozen, not that Frozen, a play that moved to Broadway in 2004, and The Irreverent Hand to God, which moved to Broadway in 2015. For the past 12 years, simply rebranded as MCC Theater, the company has produced a four-show season at the Lucy Lortel Theater, a landmark off-Broadway playhouse that was famously home to the 1954 revival of Kurt Vile's The Three Penny Opera, that popularized the show in America over its record-breaking run. From my vantage point as a critic, MCC presents some of the most exciting work I see every season with their annual American and New York premieres of plays and musicals that, as they describe, quote, bring together exceptional artists to explore emotional and moral issues of contemporary life and inspire audiences to discussion, debate, and reflection long after the curtain falls. Schoolgirls is one prime example. Their last play, Jen Silverman's Collective Rage, a play in Five Bettys, was equally as gripping resonant, and relevant to our time, serving up a giant entree of pure feminist, queer, intersectional theater that addressed urgent questions of gender and sexuality. And that's what I love about MCC theater. 
Behind the scenes, they are constantly at work developing new works by emerging and established playwrights, most notably through their Playlabs reading series that brings audiences into the development process. To date, MCC has helped develop over 500 plays that have gone on to production. That's a stunning feat. The company also runs a free after-school program with playwriting and acting labs for over 1,200 students and partners with several area high schools to help students find their own voices through the theater. This current encore presentation of Schoolgirls will be MCC's last production at the Lucille Lortel. But don't be sad about that. The company is moving to the new Robert W. Wilson MCC theater space on 52nd Street and 10th Avenue in Midtown Manhattan next month. That caps a $45 million campaign to create a new permanent home that will allow MCC to host even more programming and do even more outreach. This new 25,000 square foot facility will house two stages, the Susan and Ronald Frankel Theater with 100 seats and the Newman Mills Theater with 245 seats. And the season that they have planned once again promises to be full of exciting new works. If you can, pay a visit to the Lortel for a performance of Schoolgirls over the next six weeks. Then check out MCC's new home this spring. Jennifer here. That's our show. Thanks for listening. The Fabulous Invalid is a production of O&M Etc. and The Fabulous Invalid LLC. Our theme music is by Lucky Chops. Today's episode was edited and engineered by Aaron Kaufman. Find us online at thefabulousinvalid.com and on social media at Fabulous Invalid and listen to us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podbean, and our website. And be sure to tune in next Wednesday. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.